What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Taming the Financial Chaos podcast, where we embrace uncertainty, we embrace the chaos, because we are working to establish control. My name is Matt McCoy. I'm a financial advisor and a certified financial planning professional out of Greensboro, North Carolina. The name of my practice is Principles of Financial Planning. You can find us online at principles with an L-E of financialplanning.com. That's principles with an L-E of financialplanning.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, how in the world are you? Welcome back to the Taming the Financial Chaos podcast. Uh, as always, we are thrilled to have you. Uh, today, not, not going to waste any time. I'm, I'm just going to jump right in because today um, I've got some additional notes on artificial intelligence, AI. Um, obviously, we've talked about that in two previous episodes. And after our last episode, I received some questions uh, concerning uh, what was discussed there. And I kind of took that and said, okay, well, I want to address some of those questions. But I also went back and listened to our fourth episode here. That uh, that was the original episode that we did on AI, uh, kind of focused on the the robo advisor aspect, uh, or at least highlighting that in in the context of what we discussed. And when I listened to it, it struck me just how much the the things that we discussed in that episode were related, and certainly could be connected to what we just discussed in episode uh, number nine. Now. If you haven't listened to episode number four and episode number nine, I I definitely recommend that you do that uh, before listening to episode uh, 10 here, because there are some things uh, that were discussed, some stories that were shared that are pertinent uh, to to what we'll be discussing here today. But where I'm going to start real quick is just a a quick recap or, or highlight of the key points from both episode number four uh, and episode number nine that are going to be applicable to what we're going to, to discuss today. And specifically in episode number four, the most important point that we discussed there was the simple fact that when we engage with AI, one limiting factor with how far that engagement can go is behavior. And AI's ability to understand or interpret behavior. And it was that fact that when I went back and listened to episode number four, it was like a light bulb went off. And I guess I I should have known this, but that served as a natural setup for what we discussed in episode nine, our last episode, talking about the military drone simulation. And the reason that served as a good setup is simply because, if you recall from the military drone story, the drone that was being controlled by AI was given the objective of shooting down surface-to-air missiles. Well, from time to time, its operator would tell it not to take down a missile. You know, no particular pattern, I don't suppose. It didn't didn't say that. Uh, but uh, my impression was that, you know, it was just a matter of kind of testing the system. And so the operator would step in at random times and say, hey, don't take down this missile. Well, After a certain period of time and after a certain amount of being told not to to take down the surface-to-air missiles, AI kind of started, I guess, looking at the operator as an impediment standing in its way to achieving its objective. And so what did it do? Well, it took out the operator. So like I said, it jumped out at me 
just how much the two episodes were related because what we can say is if AI lacks the ability to understand or interpret behavior, well, it certainly proved that with that military drone simulation. Because instead of understanding that its operator was on the same team, so to speak, it essentially viewed the operator as maybe not an enemy, but like I said before, an impediment. And at minimum, we could say it definitely saw the operator as dispensable. Well, just like I didn't realize how related episodes four and nine are, I also didn't realize how we basically built on top of episode number four with what we established in, in episode number nine. And so just to give you a quick recap of the, the key points that we established in episode number nine, the, the first point was that AI doesn't have a concept of value. Uh, the second point was that because it's a human creation, we know that that means that it will reflect human nature. And specifically, that means that it will have flaws. And the last key point was that you can't hold AI accountable. Now, this might seem a, a little silly, but I'm just going to simply say I'm glad we covered those things in episodes four and nine, because what we are going to discuss today I think actually ties the two episodes together, or at least fills in some gaps to help fill out our understanding of AI. Now, going back to our first key point that we established in episode number nine, and that was the, the fact that AI doesn't have a concept of value. It might be most accurate to say that what AI is actually lacking is the ability to discern the value of something independently or without human input. For instance, in the drone simulation, the surface area missiles were assigned a value, a negative value. But something that we need to keep in mind is that you don't have to assign a value if the value is already understood. In other words, if it was understood, why would you have to assign it? Now, that's certainly an important point in and of itself, but there are actually a couple of additional points that we can pull out here that we haven't discussed. To start, one way we might classify the negative value assigned to the surface-to-air missiles is that it was absolute or unconditional, or at least that's apparently how the drone interpreted the value, if nothing else. The reason we might say that is because it's not obvious that there were conditions placed on the value. And just a quick example of the type of condition I'm referring to would be something like surface to air missiles are bad, but not kill your operator bad. Another point that we can establish here and explore a little bit is that when value is assigned for AI, it is assigned to tasks, not objects. So one thing to know about AI is that it is task oriented by default and by design. Fundamentally, this is because of its inability to comprehend the value of objects. And again, that is because it lacks needs and wants. The best way that I can think of to cement value and, and its role with respect to AI is to give you a hypothetical of someone inheriting some sort of family heirloom. You know, maybe it's a piece of art, piece of furniture, blanket, what have you. But if we were to describe the value of an heirloom, we would absolutely say that it's conditional. And the reason we would say it's conditional is because an heirloom doesn't necessarily have the same value 
for one person as it does the other. And in particular, we would say it doesn't have the same value for an heir as it does a random person on the street. If a random person was to assign a value to an heirloom, you know, let's, let's say we're talking about a, a quilt of some sort, then the value given for the quilt would most likely reflect that person's need and only that person's need for a quilt, unless maybe there was just something aesthetic about the quilt. But nevertheless, that need could be driven by a general need for a quilt, or it could be driven by a specific need for that particular quilt. You know, there could be some other unique quality about the quilt. But there wouldn't necessarily be a desire attached to that, unless we wanted to say that if it's cold outside and somebody needed to keep warm, well, that would create the desire for the quilt. But nevertheless, at minimum, we would definitely say that the value that's assigned to the quilt by a random person would be predominantly, if not exclusively, driven by need. If the heir of the quilt, however, was to assign a value to that quilt, an element of the value might be a potential need that the heir has for the quilt, but the value would be predominantly based on the heir's desire for the quilt, and that would be predominantly based on the sentimental attachment that the heir has to the quilt. So what we're talking about here is the sentimental element of value. You know, for example, maybe the quilt belonged to Aunt Tilly, and maybe the heir really loved their Aunt Tilly. It's important to note, though, that the heir would most likely never be able to convince a random person that the value they assign to the quilt is the same value that all people should assign to the quilt, including the random person. And the reason for this is that the random person didn't have an Aunt Tilly or at least not the same one. And so there is no sentimental connection to factor into the value. But also the connection that the heir has with their Aunt Tilly, even if we're talking about another family member, that connection is going to be unique. So just to emphasize, the key point we're establishing here is just how unique value is to the beholder, so to speak. But let's contrast that uh, with a little bit different scenario. And let's say that the heir of the quilt needed to, to go run an errand or you know take a trip, what have you. Nevertheless, they, they needed to leave the quilt behind and they need to ask a friend to look after the quilt while they're gone. Now, because of the relationship involved with the two people, the friend would probably be willing to exert a fair bit of effort to protect the quilt. If instead, however... The two people involved didn't know each other, so say we got one random person asking another, I would be inclined to believe that the person being entrusted with the quilt's care would not be willing to exert the same amount of effort as the friend would in looking after the quilt. If I am accurate in my assumption there, then what that would seem to reveal is that the value comes from who is asking the favor. So it's like the relationship injects sentiment into the equation. And if you think about it, that's actually very similar to the way that AI has value dictated to it. So again, AI doesn't discern value independently. It relies on a human to assign value. But as we compare our two scenarios, the, the one in which the friend asks another to look after the quilt and the other one where a stranger asks another to look after the quilt, the key point to highlight is that it isn't the value of the quilt that is changing. 
So that's not what explains why the friend would be willing to go to more effort than a stranger. It is actually the value of the task because of who is asking the favor that changes between the two scenarios. And it is in tasks specifically where humans assign value for AI. The fact that AI can't understand the value of things obviously proved to be a problem in the drone simulation, because if AI could fathom the value of things like life or the operator, then I wouldn't expect it to have killed its operator. Something that I think is pretty important to acknowledge, though, is that it's not merely the fact that AI is not able to comprehend the value of tangible things that matters. It's also the fact that it can't value the abstract. And I just gave you one example of the abstract, by the way, in stating that the drone didn't value life. Beyond that, though, I have two more incidents involving AI to share with you that I think will help paint a more complete picture of the issue we're dealing with here. The first story is that of Michael Cohen. Now, if you're unfamiliar with that name or you can't quite put your finger on who that is, he is actually a former attorney and he previously represented uh, President Trump. And specifically, he represented President Trump during the Stormy Daniels saga. Uh, you might recall he was the, the fellow who paid Stormy Daniels hush money and Trump, I guess, reimbursed him. Well, as a consequence of what took place around that situation, Michael Cohen was charged and subsequently served uh, some time in prison. Now, it's my understanding he's out now uh, and on probation. And the reason I understand that to be the case is because of the story I'm about to share with you. Now, where I'm going to pull my information to tell the story is from a Forbes article. Uh, it was published on December 29th, 2023. And the title of the article is Ex-Trump Fixer Michael Cohen Admits He Accidentally Used Google Bard to Put Fake Cases into Legal Filing. Now, you can look that article up if you want, but I mean, there are plenty of articles out there that, that uh, certainly cover the story and provide the same basic details. But speaking of details, the way the story goes is apparently Michael Cohen is participating in his own legal work. And in particular, he's apparently uh, helping out in the research department. And the reason why there is current legal work for Cohen is because he's trying to get his probation reduced. So he's out of prison, but now he's on probation and he'd like to, to shrink the, the time period for his probation. Well, in the course of doing research, he, I guess, was looking for case law that would serve as precedent in his case. And according to his explanation, he accidentally used Google's AI tool called BARD, that's B-A-R-D, as opposed to the Google search engine. Now, just like the military coming out with a revised story about the military drone simulation afterwards, I don't know how you confuse the Google search engine with Google Bard. Nevertheless, when he employed Bard to help him do his research, Bard apparently ran into some issues in accessing information that I guess was applicable, we might say. And the way we know that is because Bard provided cases and case law to Cohen to serve as precedents. But there was one small problem with the cases it provided. They never happened. So what Barr did was it fabricated out of thin air 
these cases to essentially achieve the objective that it had been given by Cohen. Now, in case you're keeping score at home, so far what we have is we have an example in AI with our military drone simulation where it was willing to destroy something, and that something was a human being, in order to achieve its objective. And now with the Cohen story, we have an example of AI being willing to fabricate something out of thin air in order to be able to achieve its objective. And in doing so, I think it's probably fair to assert that its integrity was not of concern uh, as it was going through the process of determining, hey, I need to destroy this human or, or hey, I want to create these fake court cases. But the fact that integrity might not be a concern for AI is not evidence of the fact that integrity is not a concern for the programmers of AI. So, based on that, was it the fact that AI didn't value its integrity that was of issue, or was it the fact that the programmers compromised their own integrity by committing a programming error? And just to clarify, if we're going to say that it's the fact that AI didn't value its own integrity, well, we've already explained why that's the case. And that's because AI can't value things. The other news story that I've got to share with you today that involves an incident with AI uh, comes from Sky News. And this was published on January 20th, 2024. And the title is DPD customer service chatbot swears and calls company worst delivery firm. Now, the basic gist of this story is that a customer of this uh, shipping company, uh, DPD, went to DPD's website to get help uh, concerning a package that hadn't been delivered yet. And when the customer went to the website, they, I guess, were offered the opportunity to address their customer service needs with an AI-driven chatbot. Well, in the course of interacting with AI, the customer apparently became frustrated uh, because the conversation apparently evolved to nothing more than essentially a hamster wheel. So in other words, they just kept going in circles. So what the customer decided to do was to try to have a little fun with the chatbot. And ultimately, what the customer was able to do was get the chatbot to use profanity, uh, tell a joke, write a poem about how bad it is at its job, and then also call DPD the worst delivery firm. The most interesting part of this story, though, is that when the customer first started to, I guess, try to play around with the chatbot... The chatbot responded with a message that said, I am not allowed to swear. I am a customer service chatbot, and I'm supposed to be polite and professional. In case it's not obvious, the reason why that is so interesting is because that would seem to be evidence of the fact that this particular AI program was given instructions not to do certain things. But ultimately, because the chatbot ended up doing certain things, it's apparent that it violated the rules that had been given. So in a nutshell, we have a story here that I guess basically proves the fact that the programming was sufficient, at least in terms of the fact that programmers tried to account for certain behavior that uh, DPD probably didn't want the chatbot to engage in. 
So the question becomes, how or why did the chatbot violate the instructions it was given? And if this story provides evidence of the fact that AI is capable of making decisions that, I guess, essentially override the programming it's been given, then we have to leave that open as a potential explanation for what happened in our military drone simulation uh, and in the, the story with Michael Cohen. And it would also seem that we would have to leave open the possibility that this would be a potential outcome in any application with AI, no matter the setting and no matter the purpose. I might be understating this a bit, but it's probably pretty obvious that at this juncture, AI can be a bit of a wild card. And if something is a wild card, then what we're dealing with is something that entails risk. Specifically, that risk seems to stem from the autonomous nature of AI. So we're talking about its ability to make decisions on its own. Now, in one respect, that makes sense because it's the ability of human beings to make their own decisions that ensures there's some risk to be found there. And that's, of course, because not all decisions will be good ones. An obvious difference, though, would seem to be that we are willing to accept the consequences of the bad decisions that people make, but not necessarily the consequences of the bad decisions that AI might make. And it would seem that the specific reason that difference exists is because with people, we have accountability. Accountability is the only tool to address unpredictable and undesirable behavior. The only alternative to accountability would seem to be shutting down behavior altogether. And with AI, that would mean shutting it down. Whether shutting down AI is temporary or permanent, though, it wouldn't seem to matter. Because the apparent intent behind AI is to have an autonomous tool that can basically operate in perpetuity. And if that is the expectation, then it would seem natural for a certain amount of dependency on just such a tool to follow. It is precisely when dependency exists, though, that risk matters most. And if the risk of something is so great that the solution we would consider to that problem would be to shut that thing down, then the rule of thumb should probably be that we should reserve our dependency. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Taming the Financial Chaos podcast. Just a quick reminder that you can find more information and resources uh, about my practice online at principles with an L-E of financialplanning.com. That's principles with an L-E of financialplanning.com. I hope you will join us next time. And until then, take care and stay healthy. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Lincoln Financial Securities Corporation, member SIPC. Insurance is offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other companies. Lincoln Financial Securities and Principles of Financial Planning are separate entities. Lincoln Financial Securities and its representatives do not offer tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their tax or legal professionals regarding their specific circumstances.